You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome to After the Show. We're on a fifteen. Thank you. We're on a fifteen-second delay this week um, for censor. You know, just in case Sid Talk Mal says some bad words or FC. Etc. Well, our before the after the show discussion was, I was just thinking like live radio broadcast. Well, what I was saying to you was, when I edit this podcast, and if if we make a funny noise like or I sneeze or you cough or whatever it is, I'll edit that out. My so question this, is, why are you sheltering the world from coughs and sneezes? <laughs> it's, it's not like irritating. the germs are going. It doesn't bother me when I'm listening. To so somebody. I usually look at the thing and then edit out coughs and sneezes and. What's interesting is, I was saying to you, if I edit out a cough or a sneeze, it's like it never happened. You won't know I edited it out. It's it's seamless, like with audio. What if I cough while you're talking? Then it's harder. But you can do it. There is a tool to remove one know. thing while keeping another. It's just a little bit harder. But on video, say we were on YouTube, if I cut out a cough or a sneeze, we would it would be a little cut, you know. Sure. You, you can tell. So I was saying to you, you know, on live radio broadcasts where they have like a 15 second delay. So that's just in case somebody swears or something goes wrong. How does that work for that that guy who's in the editing suite on the 15 second delay duties? Or team of people. They have to be fast to react. Fast to react. Not only fast to react, fast to... Get you back on track. Make it so it... Like it never happened. Because they have to... It can't be a weird, awkward silence. It has to seem like it never happened. And on live TV, they do it too, right? How does mm-hmm. it work on live TV? Because if they... Because I've seen it. live TV. If they're doing the job right, it just looks like nothing ever happened, right? Yeah, I've never noticed on live TV and gone, oh, something must have happened, because look at that. Like, Ryan Seacrest is in a different position all of they're a sudden. They're professionals. What can we say? Whoever does it, it's a skill of some kind and like to make it seamless to the audience. It sounds very stressful. It really does. So Because what if someone does say the F word and you just are two seconds like Yeah. Oh I just <laughs> missed it Because it whole is live world. and fifteen seconds isn't a long time to react to something, is it? No. Especially not if somebody starts going off on a Precisely. Yeah. Like I'm going to Then by the end of your live broadcast, which is supposed to be two hours long, and you've cut out Three seconds and seven seconds and nine seconds and twelve seconds. How does that balance out? It's like, it's complicated. Like, I always remember the Sex Pistols interview. Why not just let us swear on TV? The Sex Pistols <laughs> interview back in the day um, where um, Johnny Rotten just decided to... Say the F word. Over, like, he did. He decided to um, not just Until say... Until that it, moment, it had never been said right, on TV. Uh, and then he said it multiple times in one interview. And there was no delays then because... People thought everybody was proper. You were on the honor system. And that was how it went. So that I, I assume that's when it got introduced because that from then on, who knows what people are going to do, you know? And now it's less of an issue, but still an issue. Oh, no, it's not. It's a huge issue for people. Like if someone swears at a at the Olympics or a sporting event, there's very, very, very... In fact, just this last week... Boston Red Sox baseball player said the F word in a thing in reference to the bombing. I think it was that night. Oh. 
you know, and about like catching, I don't know, I don't know the words, but the FC, the guy who's in charge of the FCC said, we understand. And this time, you know, it's like a pass. But if that was a different day and he was like, let's fucking beat these guys, then <laughs> I'm not being censored. I have no, de- <laughs> I have no delay. On. I just can- hit my 15 second button. <laughs> it only took me half a second to say it. Um, any other day, then they would have been fined. Or, because baseball can't be on a delay, I'm assuming. I don't know that, but I can't imagine. So, you know, why not just, I don't know. And I was just about to say. If it was any other day, parents would complain. People who do not believe in swearing would complain. So it's a big deal, I guess. I was just about to say, we went through this entire talk about censorship without anybody swearing. But that is wrong, because you swore. (laughs) So you ruined it again for everybody. Thank you. I'm giving you the Bajoran clap, if anyone knows what a Bajoran is. So, today is Saturday, April the 27th, uh, 2013. This is after the show number 272. The movie we're going to be looking at this week is Not Fade Away. It's a 2012 movie. It'll be released on Blu-ray on the 30th of April, so you'll be able to get it this Tuesday. Um, It's rated R. It's from our friends at Paramount. And Sid Talk's going to give you the synopsis of uh, Not Fade Away. It is a fictional story about a non-existent band in the 60s, you know? Correct. In the age of bands, British invasion, and music being so volatile. These bands came from somewhere, right? They're young boys in garages somewhere. Yeah, and young we've, seen this, we've seen yep. it before. That. We've seen the ones that we've heard of. Yeah, so this and is one we haven't to, heard. Yeah, there's going to be... But this is fictional. There is no reality to it whatsoever. No. There's no true story behind it. There's no nothing. So it's just, what if you looked into the lives of a group of young men who wanted to be a band and never became one? Correct. That's what this is. And it's more a comment on... Other things, really. So let me um, start. This is uh, David Chase, the d- director of the creator of The Sopranos. This is his next project after The Sopranos, actually. Uh, first feature film. And, you know, I'm a big fan of The Sopranos, obviously. <laughs> was that obvious? I've, I've mentioned it on many <laughs> podcasts. I like do you James have a Sopranos Gandolfini. tattoo? I do, actually. I've never seen it. I have it. It's on the bottom of my foot. I've seen the bottom of your feet. It's not there. Is it tan? Like it just matches the color of your foot? James Gandolfini. Very understated. (laughs) Anyway. um, Very subtle. So I'm looking forward to this movie. um, And? We just saw it. No, I was looking forward to this movie from last week. When I knew that it was David Chase. And they make it very clear that it's David Chase. And they even mention the Sopranos on the front cover of the... Which is not necessary, really. But... um, It is if you want to sell a movie that no one's ever heard of. I guess. So... um, wasn't the opening sequence of this movie awesome? With the test card from your old TV mm-hmm. uh, and the siren sound merging into the music and the train, there was a train and the train was in the music. Oh, it was so good. I was like, oh my God, that is, that's a genius opening. Um, genius? I'm, yeah, it was so good. And, it, uh, you know, the two, the Rolling Stones dudes on the train... Yeah, that was like... Mm. But then that test card and then how the test card came into the music. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, I didn't think it was genius. Oh, I really... The layers of sound were... It, was, it sounded really good on surround sound too, but it was... Everything in the carriage was in time... Like they tuned it all in time with the beat of the music. It was, it was just interesting. Um, so, yeah, like you say, this is a... 
like tale of we've. I feel like I've seen this story before numerous times. Um, I don't feel like it's. It's a coming of age sort of story, yeah. so it's very easy to to look at that and see it in many other stories. It is. Um, it's very indulgent for Mister Chase. It's very self motivate. I mean, it's very reflective of. What he said, some, some. It's not autobiographical, but it's got his things from his own life. And Which from The Sopranos was also, not that he exactly. was in a mob family, but he drew on like family life and his family life. It's um, not a new story that we're telling. It's not a new story. Now, I enjoyed this movie, and I liked that it was a cast of people I'd not really seen before. And, you know, I've seen James Gandolfini before, but everybody else, I, I've pretty much not seen them before. Um... And I think they all did a good job. And I liked how it's like a a tribute to music of this era. You know, the British invasion. The Amer- Well, no, it, it really covers the British, you know, the Beatles. I love that scene where the Beatles was playing on the radio. And that the guy is like, you know, it's the first time he's ever heard it. And it's like... What's that? It's like the Pied Piper, like being led towards <laughs> yeah. it and yeah. going, oh my, my, what, what is that? Like it, And then it changes everything. And... Music's very important. I mean, it's, it's... You can't deny that. Music alters us. It In this movie, it shows it specifically. Steers people on paths. Enlightens people. Makes people sad. You know, there's, there's all... And this does all that with the music. I loved how he integrated the music into the movie. All the songs we know... You know, I, I was thinking that when I was watching it. This movie's probably a fairly cheap movie. You know, it's like a... It's not an expensive movie by by any means. It's like a smallish movie. But then I was thinking, I bet it costs a fortune just to license all these songs because you got the Beatles, the Stones, all kinds, haven't you? I mean, it doesn't go as far as David Bowie. Why would David Bowie be more costly than the Beatles? It, it's pretty expensive, David Bowie. It's no, no, more expensive than the Beatles? I'm not sure, but I know it. I, what I'm saying is, it, I don't mean m- money wise. I mean, it didn't go. Time period oh, right. wise into David Middle Bowie. Seventies, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then it did. It years it, it, were nineteen sixty-two to nineteen sixty-eight. Those are the years correct. that are covered. Now, I really enjoyed the journey. I, I liked the characters, but there again, I didn't. There wasn't a lot to root for. This movie. For me, is the opposite of last week, Gangster Squad. Last week, there were elements, like bits and pieces, that I really thought were really good. But as a whole, it's nothing. I wouldn't still be talking about it if we weren't talking about movies. This one, I liked as a whole, but individual parts, there were... It's just a lot of things that were not... There were no guts, no, like, heart... To somebody, the main dude who wants to be the singer, I have no... I don't see any passion in him whatsoever for his thing. Like, zero. Other than him being Oh, I rebellious. did, on occasion. The only time I saw the the group of the singer, of the band, having any... Them showing it, anyway. Any sort of, like, clicking was at the audition. And that was it. And that was after everything else had happened. Every other time, it's like some people are bored. They're not really into it. They're not tuned. They're not good at the songs. Yet there's no... It's like a bunch of wannabes. And I'm thinking the whole time, well, no wonder you're never going to be a band. We're told immediately, you know, no wonder you're not the Beatles. This is obvious. You have no passion. You have... There's no showing. I didn't see no passion. I saw none except for the one guy who keeps saying... 
that it's first not, performance he did where, where you were like where you said oh I want to clap after I didn't think that was passionate at all I thought it was emulating other right. singers right he's just trying to be something else he's not passionate about it at all it's just I want to be that I want to be Bob Dylan I want to be um, Mick Jagger I want to be the Beatles it's not this is it's not like a Jim Morrison who's like like totally like gutsy about it. No, you know? I see it like as a slice of life kind of movie though. You're just watching these people for a period of time. It's not it doesn't necessarily go anywhere even. Like yes, there's some events from the lives, but it it's more just observing. I, I disagree because think of the father character. His, yeah, I was at subtra- I'm so I'm just talking about like the the son. Um you know, it's not a rise to fame story. It's not a fall story. It's just a people trying and failing and succeeding. You know, it's just a normal like a kind of flat story. story it's yeah. nothing. That you're saying. But saying that, the music, some of the performances, and Gandolfini, I really like him always, and I really liked him in this and, and you, you you probably might think oh, neutral yeah um, but I enjoyed it and then I felt the last maybe 10 minutes it just fell apart completely it was like and I I, I didn't want to compare it to this but it's like David Chase doesn't know how to end something because you, you could talk about The Sopranos I like the ending of The Sopranos a lot of people didn't right we know it now. Everybody knows it. I liked it because it was, well, what if? But it's almost like at the end of this movie, you didn't know what to do. Like, it was just like, there was this avant-garde-ish, avant-garde ending. There was this, who were the people in the car? Nobody. Were they, weren't, weren't they supposed to be somebody? Like Manson's or like some weird cult? Oh, no, I don't think so. With the... No. The ending to me wasn't ambiguous at all. No, it avant-garde. Was... Or or even avant-garde. It was, you know, the whole time, what I'm saying about this character is... I think they were supposed is, to be the Mansons. He's just... They weren't at all. There was no Mansonishness about them at all. That's what I thought. But they weren't at all. There was no... What were they then? What was, what was the significance? They were a reminder. They were like, this guy, this kid, who we see from junior in high school all through his early 20s, basically. That's the age range we're going from here. Like 17 years old to about 23, 24. I guess that's the span of his life. And his father acts like kind of a dickhead all the time. So he's growing his hair long. He hates the Vietnam War. He's borderline hippie, but he never goes all the way with anything. He always, he complains about the war, but he's still chained to sort of a status quo. You know, he never quite, we never see him really delve into the life of hippiness or music or philosophy or anything. He's always just stuck in the middle. Whereas we see the sister, she's gone all the way. You know, she starts out as an activist and now she's kind of lost the plot. She's, she's. Dropped her whole self in this lifestyle. You mean his sister? No, her sister. Right, right. You know what I mean? She's a character who you see it starting and then she's it. Like, she commits. Her character is what she is. He's nothing. He's in the middle. But he's fighting against his father's point of view. But he's kind of stuck. He doesn't want to go all the way with the music and the whatever. He's just a wannabe. He doesn't know how to be it. Then these people, looking at those people who are like almost the 
overly stereotypical hippy dippy. If I get in this car, the guy with the mushy beard and the woman with the weird makeup, I'm committing to that. The the rebelliousness that I've been trying to show my father, this is it. And I, guess, I don't want to be that. I guess what I saw from it, the, then the, what th- I saw the thing is, I took away from those people in the car was, like, your life can change in an instant depending on a decision you make. And he was kind of wandering around, look, you know, up and hitchhiking up the street, actually. And I, I was just like, well, you know, he could take that and then it could he could be something else, right? He, like changing you know like the life changing you right but they represented that lifestyle that he was trying to pretend to be but still uh, but he didn't commit to it right so he can't get in the car with him because he doesn't want to go all the way he's torn between being but my thing was like the ending just seemed very disjointed in a way like it seemed very yeah because we don't get other moments of him pondering things or long walks down the streets whereas we've had other movies what was the other movie um shame where we see him, what's his name? Fastbender. Yeah, go out for a he run. Takes man. for a run, yeah. and then later in the movie we see more contemplation. That he uses that as a thing to exactly. And we're now we're familiar with, with this. This is a guy who sometimes needs to escape from his thing, and we're gonna be, we get a visual reminder of what it is he needs to do. This kid, we get none of that. We mm. never get a thing where he's a wanderer or a. Uh, like he's even confident enough to go hitchhiking. I would never even think that because I think he's a bit, he's wishy-washy. He just, there's nothing about him that's committed to anything except being groovy. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. There's no like, I never was like, oh my God, I want this guy to succeed. Definitely not. Absolutely. I I was, and I almost thought to myself, this guy will never, yeah, will never succeed. because. You know, not not that he's a stoner and a waster, because he has got a bit more ambition than that, but... But what's... He doesn't. What's the ambition? He doesn't push anything. He doesn't try for auditions. He doesn't try... He didn't care about the demo tape He is pretty laid back, let me think about it. He commits to nothing, not even to the relationship None of them do that band, to be honest, do they? There's not one who's pushing harder than another. Everybody seems to like, eh, whatever, we do this, we do that. Which could be why twice we're reminded in the movie... That success yeah. is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. perspiration. And in these fact, guys got nothing. It's one of my favorite one. parts of the movie where, like, Gandolfini, as his father, says that to him. And he, and he obviously sticks because he goes, oh, like, uh, and then a. Um, I think he was thinking, oh, what a little bullshit. Yeah, I think so too. And then an agent spurts it out to him later about, you, you better start working as a band. You're doing nothing. Go and work. And then he he hears that from that guy and goes, that's my father talking, old-fashioned bullshit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He won't commit to the father's lifestyle. He won't commit to the music And first he's talking about, I want to be in the army. That's flippant, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. As a youngster, like, this is the thing. I guess if you really want to look at it from a bird's-eye view, that's why people, like, we see famous, successful... Of all kinds. Scientists and politicians and presidents and prime ministers. They become what they are, known to the world, because of a certain formula in their life. And all the other people who try and fail, this might be why. Now that is substantial to me. But it isn't... It isn't... It doesn't come across that way, Yeah, exactly. It? If we had had a little bit more like, look, this is what we're saying. I think, I think the reason why is because he chose to make the movie. And you know when I said to you... 
you feel like you've seen this movie before as you go in it, you know, oh, is it the forming a band, they're starting to do it, you know, there's a girl, here's the drugs. It just <laughs> and feels a, and a really father and... painting by numbers. Like, it feels like, oh, I've seen this 20 times. It's just that again. And they argue with each other and so, they have their different So by doing it in that format, you've got this thing of, oh, this is what this is. I've just stepped on a train. Right. And it's going to be the same stops. Yeah. Nothing new. We're not going to veer. We're not going to turn anywhere. Uh-oh. And there's no surprises. And there really isn't. Except for the... <laughs> which I kind of liked at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's like, what I'm saying. That's we a... could have had a few more of those along the and way. And that's why I say that ending, what you just mentioned, it's glaringly stick out because it doesn't match anything Yeah, else. and the framing of it. It doesn't the match. The young girl telling the yeah. story, which I like. I the... mean, that makes sense because... It, it does. And I like that. It's from the point of view... You know, the young sister's telling the story or whatever. And we know that from the outset because we yeah, hear her. Exactly. He's the narrator over the top. Right. But then it, it's, an, it's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Then the rest of the time. It's just like a it's an, gimmick almost. Yes. And it's to- so removed from the rest of the movie, it, it kind of got to me a bit. I was like... If in fact, because a lot of times he, you know, puts the camera right on her face while she's observing these, you know, and if you'd done that without the introduction. Then it would have been at all. Oh. Yeah, then at the end, yeah. if you had had a little bit of like, and this is how I saw it, and maybe, maybe then squeeze in there the idea that this is why my brother's band didn't, whatever. I don't know, maybe it's just, but overall, I enjoyed it. Like, yeah, as I a did whole. too. And you know what? It's just I, like kept going, oh, oh. And you know what I was thinking way. while I was watching it? David Chase, you know, he made The Sopranos. This, also, watching it, felt like an HBO show. Like, it yes. felt like... Yes! The framing of shots yeah. and the way everything is set And, like, up. it would have... If it was, like, a six-part HBO show by David Chase, and they could have, he could have, like, gone into the characters a yep. bit more, it might have been better than I that. I actually thought that exact thing. There were so many shots where I was like, this is so television. television. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's... There's nothing... Again, you're on a track of very expected visual things and it's dialogue. kind of ordinary that's the, that's it there's no there isn't a surprise apart from that ending which <laughs> is <laughs> a surprise for the wrong reason it's it, it's not you know it's almost like by the time you get there you're not in philosophical mode he hasn't led you down the path of no thinking he hasn't left you with a reason to be oh now what can happen almost like okay I don't particularly like the end of Castaway, because I think it's, like, hokey. Yeah, neither do I. But, it should have stopped before he came back. But, I get it. Because he's had all this time alone, yeah. life is now like, oh, shit. Like, there's nothing. And now it is wide open to me. I can go any direction. Do I've got a clean slate, so to speak. So you're kind of prepared for it, almost. It's just a little bit, kind of happens too fast or whatever. This one, it's like, I have no reason to think that this guy's a thinker. Or uh, that he's even contemplating his future. Because he's not. He's just along for the ride. So that's why I was a little bit taken. Like, but All of a sudden he's trying to seem cool and kind of like... Yeah, that whole like, end. That, not just the ending. The whole like last ten minutes where it goes here, it goes there, it goes... It's kind of like trying to um, move on his life, but it almost felt like the film doesn't have enough time to, like, deal with everything. So it just goes, oh, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's where he's going. That just felt rushed to me. Like, I know this was, like, a a, nearly a two-hour movie anyway, but 
like I say, if it would have given more breathing room, there was more character development. But overall, like the actual experience was good mm-hmm. to watch. I, I think he makes a good movie. Mm. I mean, I think he, he, in a certain way, in his style. But it's because he's injected the music that you like and the seventies, which we we are. Familiar he definitely with. takes me to that era. Exactly. That, that now, if nostalgia is what's filling you up with satisfaction, that's not a good movie unless the story and the people. I have to say, the story is really flat. It's flat. It's an interesting story because of the music, but it's not surprising in any way. It's expected. And it's not because there's an ambiguousness about it. It's no, because, it's not because that. I like those kinds of stories. It's not stories that, but every well. character you see, you know exactly what they are. Like, you, And it's not surprising. It's like, oh, Gandolfini. The first word that comes out of his mouth, oh, that's the type of father he is. There's no. Uh, but he changes all yeah. the way through. Yeah, but. No, that one, that's my favorite part of the movie. Is that. But it's not surprising what happens, is what I disagree because I am surprised. I was surprised at the the subtlety of the revert the turn. You know, okay, he's not just the primarily he is, but he isn't because then you start realizing as his his life is changing too, sort of in the background that what you what you think of him, it's. And a lot of it's Gandolfini, and I'll give him credit for this. There are moments where it's real quiet, and you're just looking at him, and he's just sitting and thinking, and maybe it's just Gandolfini sitting and looking like he looks. But you realize through some of the dialogue, and you find out things, his life and the way he is maybe is from different reasons than what we think. And now he's going to maybe change, and he sees he's seeing life different. Whereas the son... It's just one thing all the way. He's a straight line, and if I want to be really, really uh, obnoxious and say that Gandolfini's character at least has the arc, whereas our main character doesn't. He's just, he's this when he's in high school, and when we leave him, he's in the same exact spot. To me, anyway. Yeah, and, you know, his friends, you, they're not really, I mean, they're touched on, but there's no, yeah. I, you know, like, when we talked about The Hobbit, how we looked yes, at all those dwarves exactly. and went... Oh, that's we don't know what those dwarves are called. There's too many of them. We have no idea. Not that he's got too many friends, because there's just a band. There's four people. But still, I don't know. One, I mean, barely. Yeah, that guy, the handsome. There's guy. There's the jock who turned musician. Yeah. There's the guy who wants to be an artist, and then there's the drummer who you know zero. Right, about. Zero. he just does whatever zero. he's told. Zero. Like, zero. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, no nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Not even anything. And the things you know about them aren't substantiated with anything other than really. Um, like like overused cliched things. Like one of them does something dangerous in front of everybody to get attention because he's pissed off because he's not the center of attention. And there's a tragedy like, in this movie. Kinda. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, if we're talking about the dot by dot, yeah, making yeah. a movie. Well, then in the th- in the third act, there's a something that can change everything, and it really doesn't. It's like <laughs> if it did. Then Maybe it like, was different, like, yeah. <laughs> then there's nothing. I mean, it changes, like, the path that they can take is different now because they can't... Fully, but not really. But you have to wait a little bit instead of doing it right now. But... It, you know what it is? It's like David Chase can't even commit to these things. To no, these I think people. that's what it is. He can't. And that's, you know, people accused him of that in The Sopranos. Like he, And if you think about it, Tony Soprano is this same character. You yeah. start out thinking he's one thing. 
And then you learn about the mother and the psychiatric stuff and the childhood and then the life and that wears on him. And then he starts to reflect back on his own self. And by the end, he's got a different view of things. So you understand him better. Same in this one. So that's not bad then. David Chase is the master of making movies about people. <laughs> James Gandolfini. <laughs> no, not just James Gandolfini. People who can't commit to stuff and they're just wishy-washy. <laughs> like this guy. Right? They just go through. They just do it. and then Is they... it just supposed to like titillate your own little thing of whatever? If it did anything right, this movie, for me, it portrayed the times really well. The music was titillating, but it's very easy for music to be titillating, right? You Absolutely. can play a Rolling Stones song and will respond to it, right? Here's the thing it did really well, which I identify with completely. Maybe as a female or maybe just me. But, um, well, it's not just me. The portrayal of the Rolling Stones, like, first time on TV, Mick Jagger singing, and the girls just... Swooning s- for them. Not swooning. They're just staring at the TV... And then they, you know, we zoom in on our normal, on our main girl, and she's just like, she's like mesmerized and just staring at his face, and like you zoom in on his mouth, and you, she's like, oh my god, and he's singing, you know, all I want to do is make love to you, you know. Then later, she she's zeroes in on the next best thing to her, exactly the thing that's, the thing that's the, actually but available. The moment is like captured, it. not just like, oh yeah, yeah. It's more, it's really slow and deliberate, which I loved. And it's dawning on her, like, I can have some of that. But it's not super shallow once we get into the relationship. It's just that that moment of glaring at someone and thinking, Oh my god, he was so awesome. If only he could be mine. And then she gets her sort of substitute, kind of, sort of. And then it turns into something more. But that I thought he did brilliantly. I also did kind of like the... It was very intimate. Almost, you know, like Mick Jagger might be at the party... Okay. Now that that was really lame. Well, what I liked about that was, like, this guy, who wants to be that. Wanna be, yeah. Just maybe brushes with it for a second. And he'd be like, when he said, oh, I'd really, you know, I'd be interested in, like, is, was Jagger, that kind of thing. Like, he, he is j- just brushing with stuff. It's it, He'd never be it. What would he do if he Because he's not confident or bold enough to, like, just burst into the room. He's not confident enough to yell at the guy getting in the car, the other guy. But they are quite talented, because when they do that audition, I felt that. And I was supposed to, I guess. Oh, I didn't. See, I did. I felt, wow, they are cohesive. I felt like they were like, look at what we're comparing you to. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan, and then here are all these little other mm, bands that we can put in all the other little venues or as opening acts, and that's what you're going to be no matter what you do. That's what I thought of them. So um, let's move on to the cast. Uh, John Magro plays Douglas. Um, these... Magaro. Oh. There's an A in there. Yeah, I didn't put an A. I know, you didn't. So, I actually um, told you that earlier. Wives out there, if you've ever tell your husband something, and then later it's like it never really sunk in, I totally understand. So the guy who plays Douglas, the main guy... I think he played it well, though. I disagree. Um, I don't. I think he sung well, actually, and he's not a singer. And he did sing. I yeah. actually thought he was good, like a singer. And you know, give I him what. Thought it was that really pretentious, like wannabe singer thing again. See, I, I actually like. And he I, had this fake eating thing when he's eating. He'd like keep the food down in his chin like an actor, like and that drove it. me crazy. Yes, he did three times. He did it. No, I mean I didn't notice it. And I didn't think he was great. 
I thought he was fine. And then other members of the band, Jack Houston as Eugene and Will Brill as Wells. And I, I like the Jack Houston guy, I think, better than the main guy. Because he kind of commits a little bit more emotionally. He didn't have things. that much to do, though. He didn't. But in the times that we meet him, we're I'm more like, I know that guy. I get it. I completely see who that guy is. He was a jock in high school. He loved the attention. Then he was the singer in the band, but he wasn't great, but he loves the attention. And now, if the singing thing isn't working, we see him fiddling with his football. Mm -hmm. We see that, okay, this is a guy who's going to go to any fallback position where he's the quarterback of whatever's going on. And when when he realizes he's not really in charge of this thing... It's throws a fit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as interesting to him anymore. And that's the thing. He's a... He's a... He is who he is. He's committed to certain things, whereas our main character, just I can, can't say it enough times, he's not. And then James Gandolfini plays Pat the father. Um, I, I like him. We saw him in Killing Them Softly a few weeks ago. A different role again. Different. And, you know, he plays... You could say, a lot of people say, oh, he's just the same thing. I, I think there's subtlety to what he does. And the, yeah, definitely killing them softly. And this. This one, in the so more what, quiet moments, co- definitely. The being pissed off and throwing shit. Yeah, I, mean, that's, that's, I think that comes easy for him, that part. They're pissed off. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's real he's sweet. He's good at you know? it. <laughs> but, like, you seem that the pissed off part comes easy. Um, Bella Heathcote plays the love interest of our main character, um, Grace Dietz. Uh, I, I really like her. She's kind of captivating in some way. She's all right. You no, just think she's she, captivating because she's beautiful and he keeps zooming in on her face. She, he, did, he did do that. keep reminding you of her And she was in um, Dark Shadows that we watched uh, re- recently. Well, not so recently, but no. um, <laughs> with Johnny Depp. She, I, I remembered her face and that's where she was from. But um, I like some of her uh, scenes, though. I liked her more than I liked the leading man, definitely. She committed, again, she had more flexibility when she was doing things and you... She was a little bit floating around, you know, maybe hippie girl, maybe this, my sister's going that direction, but then you then you get it, she's not her sister. Mm-mm. So right there you've learned this is a person who has a a personality and she she shows it to you in her the way she acts, the way she reacts to people. And then by the time we're finding out what her goals are, what her future want, what she wants her future to be, and then you're like that's her. She is a person now. I think of her as a whole person. And that contrasted with him, I just liked her a lot more. I wish it was about her. You know, maybe the slant would be, I was the girlfriend of a dude, you know, back in college who thought they were going to become a famous band. And, you know, something like that, where she could have been more in the forefront for me. But And her sister is played by Dominique Magalliot. Dominique? It, that, that says Dominique. No, but you typed it. It's Dominique. And she plays Joy Grace. <laughs> I liked her. But she had a couple of... Uh, what's the name of that movie? Girl Interrupted Moments. But other than that, because she was supposed to be... Because she was like an activist and she was acting artsy-fartsy and going to the city and barefooted and stuff. And her father's like an ad executive or selling ads on TV. Sort of a Don yeah, Draper guy. Yeah, he's absolutely a Don Draper guy. She's fighting against that and against the Vietnam War. And they think she's going mental. And Correct. so... I liked her 99% of the time. She had a couple little weird actor actressy moments. But other than that, I thought she was really good. And directed by David Chase, who we just mentioned, Sopranos, and then this. Eh. You can't hold him up in great high esteem just because he's told a couple of no, stories you like. Interestingly, I, and I didn't know anything about this, but from the extras, the, you know, Stephen Van Zandt, the Bruce Springsteen um, 
Bruce Springsteen's guitarist um, and a Sopranos regular uh, was in consultancy with David Chase on this about the music and he wrote the music song and he was uh, an executive producer and he learned they taught the actors to play rudimentarily play you know they didn't teach them to be amazing musicians but they actually put them in like a boot camp of learn how to play which was interesting I thought and He's obviously into music, and this movie, the choice of... It'd be a great soundtrack album to listen to, because every song is a song that you're going to like, if you like that era. Um, So, uh, Blu-ray extras, and there are not a ton, um, and there never are in movies like this, um, but a bit better than normal, because the thing called The Basement Tapes is like a a three-part documentary-ish thing. Where David Chase and Stephen Van Zandt and the actors talk. It's a bit more than your normal, boring, but not a lot we're trying more. to sell the movie kind of thing. But um, you do get some details. There isn't a commentary, unfortunately, because I would have liked to hear David Chase talk about it and maybe his childhood and that kind of thing, but there's none of that. Building the Band is the second extra, and that is a EPK thing. It's um, Oh, it's EPK. Electronic Press Kit. Thank you. Everybody, we don't all know all the You see them all the time. They're the things that um, they put out on YouTube, and it goes, "This is the best movie of the year." And then somebody or goes, on HBO, like next month, on yeah, HBO. And then one of the cast goes, "Yeah, we were trying so hard to make this into." And I feel like David Chase movie. is a crowd pleaser. He doesn't always go to the lowest common denominator. See, I don't think he is a crowd pleaser. But it is Sopranos is totally the low low. A low level of variety or, like, overthinking or thinking outside of... If he was a crowd pleaser, the Sopranos wouldn't have ended as it did. Yeah, but he didn't... He did. I mean, it was over. Yeah, but, I mean, that wouldn't yeah, have been the last episode. Thing. If he was about... a crowd pleaser, that, that would have been... No, the whole of the Sopranos is a crowd pleaser. The ending doesn't mean anything to me, because the whole of all those seasons is... People like the violence, people like the digging in, people like the psychologist, blah, 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 the conflict, the mostly killing people and the, the mob side of things. That's a crowd-pleasing the thing. There's nothing challenging about it. There's nothing really that interesting about it. Not really. And then this movie does the same thing. And there are a few deleted scenes. Um, nothing that really adds to the movie. I did like the one where she picks up the guitar, though. I thought that one was yes, good. yes. Because that, again, that shows you that she's a a whole person. Right. Whereas we don't ever see him practicing Not very singing. detailed in terms of characters. No. You don't see him trying to learn how to sing better. You don't see him practicing on his own or listening to music on his own. No, like, you never nothing. see that, do you? But then every once in a while, the camera zooms in on the ear. And then I think, oh, right. So now we're going to find out that the sound that he heard and this thing, the rhythm that he heard of something, is he's going to turn it into a song. Never happens. You just zoomed in on the ear, and, and then, then you're supposed to go like, <laughs> "Okay, well, his ear is." Uh, uh, yeah. He's listening to the world and gonna translate it into music, and then he never does. So, in conclusion, if you're a David Chase fan, you'll obviously be wanting to see what he does next, and this is it. Um, <laughs> if you're a fan of this time period, why was it called "Not Fade Away"? By the way, I know there was a song in there somewhere. Yeah, Buddy Holly's song is "Not Fade Away," so I guess. Buddy Ellie would have been... I know, but why is that the name of the movie? They only mention it once and there's no other... Not that that needs to be the... I don't even think Buddy Holly's song is in there, is it? 
Oh, not so. even a no. It's not, is it? It's in one conversation, and it's mentioned with another song about people who had one, one hit or something like that. Right. About. And then I thought, then no, no, we'll have to look that up. But I just don't you have to stay it. relevant and write your own stuff. Unlike what the this conversation band was about. <laughs> who yeah. Fade away. Who never even faded in or anything, did they? They didn't. They never got <laughs> the start to fade away from. I mean, the friends. Maybe you're supposed to go look it up. Maybe you're supposed to already know that song and know all the lyrics, and all of a sudden you go, "Oh, I get it," because I don't. But yeah, I, I don't know why they called it that. A commentary with David Chase would probably answer it, but there isn't one. <laughs> so, um, in conclusion, um, if you're like I say, David Chase fan, you would want to see it. Um, if you're into this period and music, I think you'll get something from it. I don't think it's a success overall for me. It's. Entertaining for sure. For Entertaining, me but I think it's quite forgettable because of its template that it used. Like it's just and it's tame. There's no grit. There's no like, you know, Gandolfini's a jerky dad, but there's really no fear of threat there because it's no. clear that everybody's just like yelling at each other all the time. There's no, there's no severity with even the sisters kind of going off the rails because nothing, and even the yeah, even that is really <laughs> nothing. It's like a TV incident. Like I say, a TV show would have something like that in the middle of the show. Do you think more like cable TV instead of HBO? Yeah, yeah. Just something... Nothing that's bad. Let's throw a bit of spanner in the works and this is it. I mean, it's it's not... I want some gut to to it though, you know? It's like a mediocre thing. But yeah, there's definitely a, a quality to it. But I can't say that it's like... It's successful overall to, for me. It just didn't. It's not cohesive fully. Like watch this and then watch one of your recommendations. Yeah. So <laughs> follow it by something that makes you go, "Oh, that's got guts." Yeah. So um, thank you to Paramount for the Blu-ray. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be. I don't know. Hasn't anyone ever done the Janis Joplin story like for real? Really good. Really well. No, not that I've seen. Unless it was a TV movie. I'd be into that. Maybe there has been, but I'd be into like a Doors type movie, but about Janis Joplin. So um, next week's Blu-ray review will be Mama on Blu-ray. So we're going to horror next week from Not Fading Away to some horror. Um, Guillermo del Toro. I don't know his name. Guillermo, I think it is. Guillermo del Toro. I think. Guillermo. Yeah, so um, we I love be... Hellboy. So uh, you know, you can if you're listening to this and you think sometimes, oh my god, she's full of shit. I don't trust her judgment. Well, I'm telling you now, it varies. Some movies I love Hellboy movies, right? I love Lincoln. Huh? I hate Ted. Like makes me want to vomit. So you know, I range. I don't know why I like Hellboy movies. That's dear Guillermo Guillermo del Toro yes, is that right directing that one so you this know. Is, he isn't directing this one it's his story maybe that it. makes me wishy-washy maybe I'm the person without the story arc because I'm just you never know you never know for me either really I can no. tell you what I will like though like not always no not always but there are things where I'll go okay that I'm gonna love that Scott Pilgrim before I even I, I I know, like, I see the trailer or whatever, and I go, okay. Ah, but you thought you were going to love Zack and Mira, Mary make a porno, too, because it was Kevin Smith. Yeah, and... I didn't like that. Exactly. I thought it was really, uh... But you love Chasing Amy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But you don't love Mallrats. Mm-mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's like an uneven... Um... I think I'd rather be like that than to say, oh, I love all dramas. I love all horror movies. Because then, then your opinion means nothing either. All right, Paul Thomas Anderson movies for me. I know I'm going to like them. I haven't been. I haven't not liked one. Yeah. And in fact, they they're all amazing to me. All of them. I think I would feel some somewhat like if I came out of the movie theater after I seen his next one and going, "Oh my god, I didn't like it." How about Tarantino? You didn't love Planet Terror or the other one that much. Death Proof. I saw. I did like it actually more than you. You, mm-hmm. you and I like car chases and I like girls <laughs> kicking ass, so I liked it. <laughs> And I haven't seen it again. I just saw it that one time. Um, to be sh- honest, it was a little too much girl power for me. I'll be very honest. It was really girl power. I like I liked the whole of it, and I love Planet Terror. There's more girl power in, girl, in Planet Terror, but it was a little over. It needed a little. I have yeah, to see it again. This is very rare. You're not going to hear me say this very much, but it needed a little more testosterone in that one. Just a little. Well, you get, you know... Kurt Russell, but... Yeah. <laughs> snake blink, blink. <laughs> Pliskin. Pliskin. I love Escape from New York. I don't love Escape from L.A. Yeah. And you you know, if you're a fan of Escape from New York and they say, look, here's the new... I know. Then you, I was like, like, oh, like, oh my God. Yeah. And I would be too. Like, but you oh, can't revisit that shit. Aliens as well. All the alien movies. They're uneven. Like, it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, is another one coming? Uh, I like all the alien movies. That's I like awful. some more than others, but I like them all. I don't dislike the con- concept is what gets me over content sometimes. I just wish like they would have handled it a bit. You just want alien five times in a row. <laughs> yeah. Alien aliens, alien aliens, alien aliens. That and Prometheus. Because I love that. Like, I, you know, everybody yeah. was like down on Prometheus. No, I, I, Prometheus. I, I, I thought it was really well done. So, all right, moving on. So, um. But we're talking about movies. Movie, uh. What's this? It's a game we play. It's a little game we like to play when we go to bed at night. Oh, no. no. Uh, you say a movie, I pretend to know the year, and then vice versa. Alright. The movie has James Gandolfini in it, because I wanted one that has James Gandolfini in it. And it's Crimson Tide. Oh, shit. Which is a Tony Scott movie. Never seen it. I have never seen it. Uh, it's very good. Gene Hackman. 1996. I have to look myself. <laughs> <laughs> 1995. Oh <my> <laughs> that one freaking year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I gotta double check mine. Don't look. That one year thing is ridiculous. All right, go. Oh, it is what I thought it was. Uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. 1994. Are you sure? Yes. Think it through. 1994. That is incorrect. Not only... You're not one year off. It was 1988. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is freaking awesome. I'm not a Because I think I should win points just because you were so far off. <gasps> Are you kidding me? No, Little Juice stuck in my brain and I probably watched it. However many times HBO can cram it on in a month, I probably just... I don't know why, I just never... I've seen it. They just never... I loved it. I like Death Becomes Her better. I see it as... I like Death Becomes Her too. I, I remember seeing that and like, really liking that one. That was later. I don't think I'd like it now. Death Becomes Her is in the 90s. Yeah. When the special effects were getting a little bit better. But it just reminds me of it in a way. 
something about, I don't know. I just, and now even, like, if I've got the TV on and the beginning of it just starts, you know, the music, and I'm just like, oh, I want to watch this whole thing. Even though I'm not a big Alec Baldwin fan, but still. All right, movie recommendations for this week based on this movie. I'm going to give you two. My first one is The Doors. I will, if it's ever a music Shocking. movie. It's my favorite music movie. I think it's, there's a, a well done music movie that there's no ambiguity and takes you on a ride of you know who that guy is yeah like somebody who's inspired and wants to be a rock yeah, star and it and takes it you zero one. minutes <laughs> to right. be commit you know this guy is who he is now there might be surprises along the way but you are this is a whole person you know it's like meeting a person in real life and you go okay i've summed him up i kind of get him right that's what i want from a character in a movie and it has all the elements of rock and roll mixed with personal life of this guy and then the wacky shit that just goes on and so that's my and, and the tragic ending and my other one is almost famous which you know i wasn't a big huge fan of it i liked but, it but it, I was thinking about the kind of movie that paints by numbers and, and tells a story of... You are correct. And almost famous. It, it almost could be a good thing for this movie, apart from the, they're not almost famous even. I mean, they try a yeah. little bit. But, but yeah, almost famous is the very crowd-pleasing... Almost like Rock of Ages. It is a paint-by-number thing as well. It's got the the added bonus of the music, right? But in terms um, of fame, and but it is also kind of. But almost famous is the rising up of a, and following the the band, mm. and the music's in the right place, and the you know. It's a very idealized version of things. It will make you kind of root for them, though. You f- yeah. you actually care for what people are doing on the you know you, you, they're not wishy washy. That. It's one of those that does also romanticizes the world of music, even though it's try it's pretending not to, but it still is like, wow, I'm in with the band, I'm following the band, I've got the hot chick who's hippy dippy around the band wants me, you know that all that crowd pleasing stuff again. Good who, performance who by Jason it? Lee in that one, Cameron Crowe, and Jason Lee's actually really good in that movie. That's true. Uh, so yeah, almost famous and the doors. And you? Mine. Look at mine. Do I have anything to do with this? Probably not. Uh, at some point, at one party in this movie, someone was dancing and they were kind of crotching and doing Groovy this man. weird thing. Groovy man. <laughs> Groovy baby. And so Austin Powers will be <laughs> from that one little snippet. I know, think that they... should that should come back in fashion, that dance. <laughs> that squatty like, dance. You know, like when people go to a rave and they're watching <laughs> Dead Mouse. That should be the thing. Like, everybody should go back to that. It's like the twist, but you're squatting on this. It's weird, isn't it? And, and like, it looks yeah. really uncomfortable. Hey, baby. <laughs> Groovy, baby. So, Austin Powers. And because, as you can see, the template today is the brown and the mustard and the teal. They can't see. I'm telling them. I'm telling them. And the dark brown. Because I truly love 70s colors. colors. I love mustard color. I love brown. I love diarrhea color. I like it all. I like with the teal and the green stuck in there. I was raised in the 70s. Maybe that's why. But I still love them today. So, what came to my mind? I don't know why, but Star Trek, the original... (laughs) <laughs> because it has a lot of those it's from this, the time frame close enough and um the original series so I say and the cartoon so if you have a chance to watch Star Trek the animated series from the original that's my recommendation so uh this week in games and Ace Scully stuff um, have you ever seen all of Star Trek? 
The original? No. no. Oh, yeah, the original, yes. When, like, way back But when. you wouldn't recall them if you started to see them again, probably. Yeah, I can definitely see them and go, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. But not oh, all right. of it. Um, cr- cr- key ones I can remember, you know? Um, so, games and Ace Coy stuff. So, what is my favorite kind of uh, movie trope? What? Movie trope? Yeah, what would be my favorite, like, thing that they would do in movies that I, you know, would love to watch? Car chases? Mm -mm. (laughs) Close, though. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know. Heists. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. I'm a sucker for a heist. I didn't know that was a movie trope. If there's a movie... Maybe I was misunderstanding the question. If there's a movie about a heist... Movie heists often involve car chases. They do. But actually, heists. Um, Correct. You know, I'm, I'm into them. I, I just like... Cut that part out and make it sound like I knew what you were talking about. It has to be a bit clever, though, the heist. It, not the bo- not a boring heist. You like know? Tower Heist, for example? No. Ocean's 12? Ocean's um, movies, they're a good heist. 11? It's five. clever. But it's too... Duplicity? Yeah. Actually, I don't like Spike Lee, but uh, Inside Man. Yes, I liked Inside Man. I mean, that is a good heist. Really good. Um, You know, and I watched one, and it's a really low-budget movie. I remember you telling me. With the women? No, that one was kind of good, but that's not what I'm thinking. Queen Latifah. This one was called, like, Armored, and it was about an... You know, the guys who drive one of those... Mm -hmm. um, What we saw yesterday. It's about those guys driving that van. And it starred Matt Dillon... And it wasn't that old either. It was like from a couple of years ago. Um, and it was they, the guys who drive the van, decide to rob the van. And they do it in a really ingenious way. The movie's kind of garbage, but yeah, the actual physical act of them, you know, how do you take... Those vans are GPS tracked, by the way. You can't take one of them vans anywhere. Sure. Don't whereas, tell us about that no, movie. Just no, move on. No, what I'm saying is... They devise a way of stealing that van with millions okay, of Okay, don't tell us about it. We might want to watch it. Well, me telling you some of it will make you interested, maybe. So, yeah, it's called Armoured, and it's a really cheap movie. I mean, it's almost like HBO, 3 o'clock in the morning movie. But the actual plot is good. So, I love heist movies. I love heists. I like the idea of heists, you know. Digging tunnels under safes and cracking safes. I just like the idea of it. It's really interesting. So, there's a game came out this week that deals with heists. And it's called Monaco. Um, it's on Steam. It's also on Xbox. Um, M-O-N-O-C-O. M-O-N-A-C-O. Like, as in the place Monaco. Oh, okay. So, and it's, it's about a crew. And they're all in prison for being thieves. And the opening scene is a jailbreak. And then each progressive level is getting getting your crew back one by one and then going on to become billionaires by increasingly, increasingly more difficult heists. And each person in the game is like, there's a lock picker, there's a mole who's good at digging tunnels. He's not a mole, but he, they call him the mole. There's a guy who's really good at hacking computers and cameras. And there's a guy who is just the muscles who can knock people out. So does this game look like Grand Theft Auto? No, and you saw this game. Yes. So the interesting 
like look of the game is it looks like a blueprint. So kind of cartoony. Yeah, so you imagine like a heist, they have a blueprint and they say, here's the safe, here's the thing, and they plan. Well, you're saying we're looking down, like bird's eye view. All we're looking, looking down. down at a blueprint. Right, and the game itself is kind of like pixel art, so there's not a lot of detail in the characters. They're made up of a few blocks. But you can tell what they are, which is interesting, because like there are a few blocks, but yeah. it looks like a guy from above with a pickaxe or, you know... A like, little tie. Yeah, a little tie, yeah. So it's done in this kind of interesting art and... Every character in the game has like this cone of vision, and it it the 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 game is like black and white basically, like monochrome. But when you're looking, it colors in the world, and it looks like a normal world. So there's all these it, when the guys are running around the blueprint, there's all this interesting color. If you look at it as a outsider, I bet it looks really psychedelic looking. There's all this color moving about. But as a game itself, I've heard it this week being described as. Pac-Man meets Hitman. And that is actually not far from the truth. Yeah, because you move in those little grid right. They're things. like grids, yep. and, it, and there's you just money to pick up. There's no wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. No, and there's money to pick up, which are little pellets almost, like little pieces of gold. And the aim is to go into the level, take all the gold from the level, and escape. Now... Without a guard catching you. Or, or a ghost. Yeah, the, <laughs> so there's, gar- there's guards in the place, there's cameras that need hacking to get past them there's disguises you can wear so you can pretend to be a guard for a while uh there's weapons like shotguns and stuff but funnily enough they're not really encouraged because that's the hardest way is to shoot everybody the easiest way is to sneak around and well not it's not easy but so it's a really cool game. I, I recommend it. It's like um, it's an indie-based game. Just a couple of guys made it. It took them five years to make it. And I've seen this game crop up at E3 for years. I've seen it, and, I, and they've showed you a clip and some guys talking about it. And it's in the indie booths, and I'm always like, well, that looks really cool. It's a heist game. And nothing ever came of it. And then I didn't even know it was coming out. This week on Steam, I saw a thing saying, Monaco, now out now. And I was like... Oh, hold on, that's that game. Why do you think it just didn't get any funding? Is that why they would go even go to E3? Is to get, like, a big corporate They were in sponsor? that, in, you know, they have a big... Um, right, but they're there to get right, backing, Right, for somebody right? to pay attention to it yeah. in some way. But, or to say, like, hey, we're EA, we want to buy your game. Right, and nobody has. They've published it themselves on Steam. Um, so it isn't, like, buy a big... It's not EA or anything. Um, and they're charging, well... For the first two weeks, it's $10, and then it's going to be $15. $15 isn't a lot of money for it, to be honest, because it's quite a big game, I've noticed. It has multiplayer, and that's kind of where it um, shines, because it's you play with your friends, or some random strangers if you want, but it'd be better with your friends. You've got voice chat, and each one of you is one of the different characters, and you help each other. So, like, if you're the mole, and I'm the pick lock picker. And I look at the door and I go, well, I can't pick the lock. There's two guards behind the thing. Well, you could go around the side of the building and dig a tunnel so we could go in from underneath, you know, so you can use it. So then you do do it when you're by yourself. By yourself, you don't have as many options. That's what I mean. It's more fun with more people. So by yourself, you pick one of the guys and that's all you've got as a skill. And the guys only have one skill each. So if I'm the, the thug, my skill is I can... And the other guys aren't involved then. The other guys aren't involved at all. So if I'm the thug, my skill is I can knock people out. And that doesn't mean I can just knock everybody out. It's a limited amount of knocking people out. At first, you can knock one person out. And then every ten pieces of gold you collect, you can knock another person out. 
So it's a bit of a puzzle in that way because you can't just wander around knocking. So if there's ten guards and there's only like two, uh, ten gold, you can only knock two of those guards out. So you. So I mean, as out. the thug, you can't hack anything. No, he. Well, yes, he can still do the hacking and stuff, but he's way slower at doing right. it. So when you walk up to a console. So you have all the skills you need. You have all the skills you need. It just, I get it. It's just not as good. So like the pick, the lock picker, he can open a door instantaneously. Whereas if I'm somebody else and I go up to a door, I have to wait for a little timer to expire to when the door opens. Now, if you're being chased, you're done for. I'm not being funny, but do you meant instantly? (laughs) What? Instantaneously means you do it at the same time as someone's doing something else. You meant instantly. Right. So, um... And yes, I'm snotty that way. So, the um, it's, it's, it makes sense to play with other people. And I played with a bunch of random people yesterday. Because I don't know anybody else on my friends list who's bought the game. Maybe after listening to this, they will buy the game and play. But um, I played with just some random people. And I expected it to be complete chaos. Like, everybody's going to be, oh, there's the gold. Go and get the gold. Go and get the gold. Like, Yeah, jerks. But the game doesn't actually score you individually. So if I pick up all the gold, who cares? At the end, it's just a overall... Ah, right. So it's based on time it took you to do it and whether you got spotted or not. So, you know when there's a room full of gold and you're all, you're all in it? There's the thing in your mind is, I want to collect more gold than everybody else and go crazy. That's not how to play it. And everybody had figured that out in this random group of people I was in. And I was surprised. And they were all typing. They weren't voice chatting. They were typing, but they were like... Could could the mole guy go over and just punch an hole in that left wall? So it actually worked That's with good. a bunch of random people, which I think I'm just used to the Xbox and everybody being dickheads. Because <laughs> they really are on the Xbox. I'm not, nothing knocking the Xbox, but Xbox Live is a world full of idiots. It's just, if you want somebody to play seriously with you, just ch- choose a friend, don't choose a random person. Because they'll just, they're just there to be an idiot, mainly. On the PC, people seem to be a bit more... Is that because they're older on the PC? You know, it's more of a... Yeah. I think it might be. I think it's more people older who play on the PC because to play on the PC... Like, any kid can have a console, right? They're pretty cheap. They get a console. PCs are quite expensive to play high-end games. Maybe that's the thing. But yeah, it it seems better on the PC to play. So, um... That's Monaco. I can't rave about it enough. It's a heist game. It makes you want to play right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I've been pick, I've been like going back to it and back. You know, like some games, I'll buy it, I'll play it for a few hours, and then I go, huh, I think I've had my fill of that game. This game, whenever I'm on my computer, I keep loading it up and doing another level. Like I'm up to this one where I have to um, break into a stately home where one of my crew is being held hostage. We got to get him back by nice. this rich guy. He robbed some money off this rich guy, and the rich guy decided, caught him, and decided, I'm just going to keep you in a room in my house, you idiot. Nice. So we're trying to get him out of this rich guy's house. So that's Monaco. Um, It's out now. You can get it on Steam. I think $10 if you're quick. Uh, House of the Dead Overkill. Now, this is Sega's zombie shooting game, and it, it has its roots back in... Do you remember when you used to go in the arcade years ago? Yeah. And, uh... Well, you had these plastic guns and you fired... It's, it, Sega had this big line of... It was a big cabinet with two guns, two big plastic guns. Started with Virtua Cop and stuff like that. 
and you, me and you stand next to each other and stuff comes and we shoot it. It's like a target gallery. And House of the Dead was their zombie version of that. You shoot zombies. House of the Dead Overkill is an android and it's for the tablet. Remake of sorts. It's the game that appeared on the Wii. Uh, it was a game that they made for the Wii, but they've put it on tablets. And um, it's proper graphics. It looks like a Wii game or a Xbox game even. It's really good graphics. And they've done it so you tap on the screen to kill zombies. It's really fun in a mindless kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And it's got that grindhouse feel. They went overboard with the crappy looking yeah. grain effect and the characters swear inappropriately at each other and stuff. Like, you know, it's that weird grindhouse vibe. So that's um, House of the Dead Overkill. It's on Android. It's actually free to download. But then you have to buy stuff in the game. And I'm not talking like you can buy some new weapons. I'm talking like you get a couple of levels and then the rest of the levels you have to pay to get. I get it. That's just common with Android. I, I'm not sure I like it. I'd rather just give them five bucks and have the whole game rather than be... Uh, I, you, you, you. Do you think it's because they think, well, if you get it for free and then you hate it, then you haven't spent your five bucks. Not that they're going to give a shit about your money, right. but still. Yeah. So I'd like the option. I'd like there to be a free version where you can do that. You can be nickeled and dimed. Yeah, but you might try the free version and then go, okay, now and then I'll go buy and, it. Uh, that's why I want the option. I want to go oh, and buy, buy it all. Buy the full game. Right. Like I'm used to buying a full game and then, like I bought Monaco. I can play Monaco forever, as much as I want. It's the whole game. Don't you think you'll add stuff to it later? There might be a DLC down the road yeah. with some new maps, but with this, it's like, well, you can play level one, but level two is two ninety nine. Okay. I don't really like that. I like, just tell me how much it is. If I like it, I'll buy you the whole game. I'll buy the game. Five dollars is about my max for an Android game. I mean, it's pretty high. Five dollars, very high. And you know, some of the most expensive Android games, like the Final Fantasy games by Square Enix, they make them on Android. They're twenty dollars, hmm. which seems really high to me. But there again, if it's a sixty-hour RPG that you always and want if to play, it's the only place you've ever played it. Right, and if it's they're, they're really long RPGs. And I do find the tablet is great to just pick up and play something like that. Play it for a few hours, put it down. Play it on the train, play it in the car. Maybe there is value in that. I don't think I'd pay $20 for an Android game. It's just some weird thing in me that's like, eh. Don't play it on the train. Someone might walk by and take it from you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's House of the Dead Overkill. And it's on, the Andro- it's on Android. And the other thing, I just want to mention this quickly. This weekend, and you'll probably get this podcast because it'll be up a day early. Steam are having a sale. And they've got the Max Payne Complete Bundle. And what this is, is Max Payne 1, Max Payne 2, Max Payne 3, and the Season Pass for Max Payne 3. Which is all the DLC for Max Payne 3. And actually, the Season Pass hasn't run out yet, so there's still new stuff to come down the line. Um, That Season Pass is generally $25. On top of the game, which costs $60, Max Payne 3. This whole bundle, all of it is $17. So, it is, like, so much of a bargain. I've played Max Payne 3 on the Xbox, but I always wanted to play the, um... What you call it? I do not know. The DLC stuff. And I just never... I just kind of played it and forgot it. So on here, I'm going to play all of it now. And it's $17 for the whole lot. I haven't played Max Payne 2 for the longest time either. I'm sure it's super dated and it, like, looks... 
Sometimes I can't get over that on the PC. That's because you're superficial. No, it's actually not. Because sometimes they don't even support the joypad. So, like, it is mouse and keyboard. And on a third-person game like that, I find it really awkward. I don't know how I played it back then. I prefer 360 pad for PC games, and that's becoming the norm. But yeah, 17 bucks, all of Max Payne. You can't really grumble. In fact, they've also got all the Grand Theft Auto games on sale this weekend. All of them. And I'm talking all of them. One, two, three, four, four add-ons, DLC. And there's something else too. It's all of it. It's the complete collection. Red Dead Redemption? No, but it's all of GTA and it's $25. All of it. Which is... Less than the price of one of those games. It's crazy. Steam is the place to go for deals at the moment. So, Sid Talk. What's for dinner? I have no idea. Any suggestions? We're doing this early. So, tonight's supper will be a mystery. I just don't know yet. What do you want? I don't know yet. To me, some Amy's pizza and some fries sounds kind of good, but you're wrinkling up your nose, so... Any other suggestions? Any suggestions no, I'll have to think about crowd? it more. Yeah, nothing. I don't know. We've had burger and fries, veggie burger and fries the last couple of days, so we want something a little different. But, uh, Subway? Subway sounds good. Advice. <laughs> my advice is, and this is kind of brought on to me by my nephew, who looks, he's 16, and when I say things about life or make observations, uh, his words are, uh, being older doesn't make you right. And I do not disagree with that because I think that think the same things about people older than me. However, just because being older doesn't always make you right, you know, like, oh, I'm 45, so I know about life, like everything definitively. Obviously, that's not the case. That you do become right more often the older you get. Actually... When we watched this movie and uh, our lead guy was sat on the sun lounger with his silly little glasses on. Yes. And you said it was an exact thing. Yes. When like, we're young, we're, we're such just total assholes. assholes and like, we have no idea <laughs> We've, how, I to, mean, how to even deal with people. Like it's Yeah. The thing is, you are right a lot about when you're young. I mean, you're, you're eight, a, like 16 to 25 years old. And you see that the world's fucked up. And you do see what's wrong with the war. And you do see what's wrong with corporate oppression. And you do see things that are wrong with the status quo. You're right. Yeah. You're not wrong about these things. It's but it's new limited. to you. Yeah. And then what happens is, over time, with most people... You get sucked into the vortex and you become the people you've hated. But in the process, a lot of us end up looking like, in those years, as just normal, like we're a know-it-all son of a bitch. Like you just, and he exemplified that. Like, I know everything. And looking at his father, who's obviously in his 40s or whatever, and the mother who've had hard lives and he lived through the Depression and World War II and all that shit. And here's this smart-ass saying, like, you know, screw Vietnam War, man, and do yeah. this. You know, you're like, I don't disagree with the, 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 <laughs> the sentiment. However, the way we deliver it when we're young, it's like, but being older doesn't make you right. It's just that you have to have some confidence that you have learned and you have observed. And if you're balanced and you don't just take a... Like, I don't take a hard line on a lot of things. Some things, yes. But most things I go, yeah, but I do understand 
the other side of it. I may not agree with it or like it, or and it's not justified, but I get it. Therefore, my opinion on this subject is, and it may often fall like, look, I don't know where to commit on this because I, you know, I'm not a like, this is wrong or that is right. I'm very many things. But that comes with, you know, keeping an open mind, I guess, as you get older. But All right, so... I was right all the time when I was a teenager, though. I was the exception. I was actually very clever. So you were that little asshole with the little glasses? No, I wasn't the asshole at all. I was just right about everything. (laughs) Correct. All right, so I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, siptart.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can find everything there. Email me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email SidTalk, because she is right. And stay classy, Mr. David Chase. I'm interested in seeing more David Chase stuff. Um, see what he can do next. I think he should do something really surprising. You're just challenging. Yeah, you're challenging him to do something that you don't expect. Something more surprising than this. Not just something where you sit back in your chair and you soak it up and you go, oh, that was a... Yeah, and don't use James Gandolfini next time. <laughs> I don't think. But you like him. I do, but... Make him different. If he's no, I'll just it. don't use him. Because you don't need to have him. You think it's just a ploy? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say think for yourselves. Because if you don't do it, someone like me will do it for you. 